This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. I'm Matt McConkey. I'm a writer, actor, and podcaster, but my main thing is that I'm a gay man who loves sex in the city. I know, did you ever hear of such a thing? And with my overwhelming excitement for season two of And Just Like That, I couldn't help but wonder, should I do a podcast about this? The answer, of course, is no. But my dream was to sit down with my very own Mirandas and Charlottes and Che Diaz's to unpack the stories and themes of the show. My dream was to start a conversation, a community, a movement to bring back Samantha. And just like Matt, my dream came true. This week, we're digging into episode five of And Just Like That, season two, the Halloween episode. This is my favorite holiday, by the way. And speaking of favorites, let's talk about some of our favorite duos. Carrie and Miranda, Charlotte and Anthony, Michael Patrick King and Matt McConkie. These are all, of course, best, best friendships that stand the test of time and show us what's possible when we've got a true ride or die in our corner. And today, I'm joined by two BFFs whose devotion to each other is, as my generation always says, hashtag goals, Jessica St. Clair and Lennon Parham. Much like Carrie's bike lane victim slash love interest this week, Jess and Lennon are in a very intense business partnership. They are work wives who created and starred in not one, but two incredible shows inspired by their real life friendship, Best Friends Forever and Playing House. You've also seen Lennon on Minx and Veep. Recently, she's been directing on Somebody Somewhere. You've seen Jess in Bridesmaids and American Housewife. She also co-hosts The Deep Dive with our own June Diane Raphael, which would make Lennon jealous if she could stop being so enlightened for a damn minute. And this conversation is a masterclass on the power of friendship and how it can help you survive everything from breast cancer to the TV network pilot testing process. So hold on to your Matthew Rees from the Americans wigs because you are in for a few tricks and a whole lot of treats. There is nobody I'd rather celebrate Halloween with. And just like Matt, Lennon and Jessica are here. To begin, could you actually each introduce yourselves so listeners can recognize your gorgeous voices? Hi, I'm Jessica St. Clair those dulcet tones and i'm <laughs> lennon parham my voice is deeper and probably harsher although smooth right now real smooth right now very smooth everyone's doing great i, I got a glimpse into your dynamic even just in the the downbeat of like the tech setup that was happening here in terms of just like who'd signed their release who hadn't sure. who's kind of implying that the other person's mic isn't working correctly mm-hmm. and i 
I wanted to start with this actually because obviously Sex and City and Just Like That is an ode to enduring female friendship. Yeah. So I do want to talk about this iconic duo. <laughs> Let's start with your meet cute, how it all began. I say, okay, so it actually began um, as as Jessica entered into the hallowed grounds of the O'Neill Theater Conference in, in New... The Eugene O'Neill mm-hmm. Theater Conference. Where I was working... In- yeah, in, in, in Connecticut. And I was working as an assistant to the artistic director, uh, James Houghton, who's incredible, and um, ran Signature Theater and then went on to run Juilliard. And Jessica's then-boyfriend, Dan O'Brien was uh, at the O'Neill for the summer for um, the playwriting conference. And I took the train up and I was wearing a pair of plaid clam diggers. Yeah, picture it. Picture this and just like that. Plaid pedal pushers. So I I probably Uh, was involved in like organizing the transit, you know, to the to the center. And and I remember seeing her because I had heard of her prior to this. Um, in the comedy scene because I knew she was at the time on the legendary improv team called Mother with many Mm. of the people that you know and love um, from these great television comedies throughout time and and I was like this is this is what everybody's harping about (laughs) 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 but I didn't we didn't really interface much then we didn't although I do remember seeing Lennon across like a, like a crowded field and thinking like who's that who's that quiet girl staring at me mm-hmm. like Lennon <laughs> you know Lennon has the energy of like an old southern witch yeah and like she just <laughs> observes and I was kind of like who's that weirdo yeah. you know and then I saw her again we went to this um fundraiser this theater fundraiser oh, and there yeah. was there was an act and I, I won't say the name but they were there was it was a time in in comedy where it was cool for women to dress like whores <laughs> and sing about their pussies and mm-hmm. and call it comedy and that was okay. happening well and they and were raising I, a lot of money people were into it except for the two of us and we just like locked eyes and we're like not today they were the cause we were fundraising for no not for them the, they were comedy? like an act no, they were at a, like a fundraiser for yeah yeah uh, okay okay that we, but i was like yeah. my my insides were liquefying i was so angry i was so angry it was i was being filled with molten lava yeah. and i just and i looked over and i locked eyes there were those weird eyes again yeah. you know those those haunted you know southern witch <laughs> eyes the eyes of like a screech owl and we locked eyes and we just like had a full conversation yeah with, and we were strangers and oh, then wow. and then she we weirdly walked out together and i was like this weirdo's following me home mm. she was walking like 10 steps behind you know um there was also I, another I, back there was also <laughs> another moment where jess was getting her hair cut by one of our famed improv teachers in the in like behind the stage in the back hallway at the ucb the upright citizens brigade theater and i i just passed by and noted it you know because that's not sure. that felt not something you're going to see every felt day wild. <laughs> then, mm-hmm. but we didn't really we didn't really like get into it until uh i was out in la and jess had moved to la 
um, with her husband and had done the back and forth, I think, and then had ultimately landed yeah. in L.A. And I was out to do my one-woman show and um, Showgirls, the best movie ever made ever, which was a staged reading of the movie Showgirls. And uh, and and I think I, Jess and I ended up going to a yoga class together. That was our first date, yes. really. I invited Lennon to a yoga class. I was very lonely. I had not yet met really my, who would become my group of girlfriends out here. And I met Lennon and I said, hey, you know, let me show you the ropes. You know, you want to go to a yoga class? She's like, love yoga. Can't get enough yoga. Neither of us had ever taken a yoga class. Never. We didn't and say it that was to yoga each works other. in Santa Monica. And I was staying in Brentwood behind Whole Foods, which all of those words are, are hard for me to say. And and we yeah, went it's not to, your brand. That's not really my it's mine. Emma, it's mine. That's right. <laughs> it's my brand. And uh, and so we show up at this yoga works, and the sub happened to be a level three teacher in a level one class, and Uh-oh. it was way more bending than either one of us had ever done before. Yeah. And again, uh, we're upside down with our foreheads on blocks, and we lock eyes through each other's vaginas, and that. Worked. Pretty much inseparable. The absurdity of the situation. Yeah. And then we went on at first our first writer's date and and we thought maybe we would write something together and we laughed. We had Mm -hmm. chili and fries. That blue oyster. Turkey chili and Mm. fries. And we laughed. So the best. Yeah, something like that. And 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 I we laughed so hard I felt sick. And I hadn't laughed that hard since I was like, you know, in, in like sixth grade with somebody. And I, I went running home and I said to my husband, I met the woman that I'm going to write with for the rest of my life. You didn't tell her that. And he said, don't ever, don't ever tell her that. And I was like, I think I did. And he goes, well, you're never going to see her again. That's a crazy thing to say. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I was right. fucking right. You were right. Wow. I mean, and. I don't know if I'm projecting too much, but it's interesting to me that even from the very beginning, this trip to Connecticut, Lennon was on admin duty and somehow instinctively (laughs) knew that Jessica needed some handling in that area. That that tracks. I I was like, is is this girl going to mess up my carefully (laughs) aligned schedule? (laughs) Yeah, I tend to write like Lennon, you know, if there's a drill, that needs to be drilled, Lennon picks up the drill. You know, in so many ways, like Lennon's the, I mean, I don't mean to be gender normative, but Lennon's the man Mm. and I'm the woman, but then sometimes I'm the woman. Yeah. You know, and and, I mean, sometimes I'm the man and Lennon's the woman. Like we do switch, we switch roles actually quite seamlessly. Um, Sometimes I'm the alpha, Lennon's the beta, sometimes we switch. Like, so that- We call that being verse in my community. Exactly. What do you call it? Exactly. Okay, verse, verse, uh, uh, verse. Jess would Jess would probably identify as a verse this, bottom. We don't need to get too far into the weeds here, but uh, a picture is being painted. Well, and then you told me that I had ch- big Che energy, which was so. On <laughs> the last deep dive, yeah. my podcast with June Diane Raphael, yeah, they made this announcement mm. that I had big Che energy, and now like I'm watching the well, show you, with the so, episode, such okay, different so, eyes. Not to dive into it, but the testing scene, literally that happened to Jessica and I when Best Friends Forever 
uh, which was our pilot, our very first show pilot got made all of jumped through all these insane hoops. We didn't know how insane it was that we were getting this opportunity and we were editing and we got, we got like a packet back from the, from the test PowerPoint presentation. And because we had done the smart thing of naming our characters, our names, Jessica and Lennon, uh, it, just listed mm -hmm. like all of the ways that all the negatives that the audience had felt about either one of us and it was yeah and just and it just said jessica and it said all of these keywords that a woman never wants to be called because obviously it was a woman having emotion oh loud loud you know oh, no. angry and then there was like a what i remember was like a like a graph and it was like, a, like almost like when you'd have a fundraising thermometer, it was all filled up with red like, of unlikable. Oh, yeah. And I had, that, a, I had a nervous breakdown. Place. And how could you not? And I was like, all of the things that they're saying that they don't like about you is why you're funny. <laughs> it's why to me, you push all those buttons in people and women are laughing, men laughing. Like that's, I was always like, why would we dial down the thing that makes this dynamic great and also you funny? Like right. you're stirring up trouble. Yeah, people don't like that. You're you think it's too soon for these two to get married, but it's also creating great conflict in this comedy and what's a story without conflict? Right, but people don't want people want to turn you down yeah. when you're a woman. And I had to fight. I mean, I struggled. I did struggle with my chain yeah. energy for quite a long time. It's such a, a long shot to <laughs> to call you a Che in this mix. But I think that where that was coming from was purely Che's chaotic energy. I think you can agree that that is one area that there's overlap between you two. <laughs> you yeah, and I'm finding watching. I'm fine. <sighs> I'm I'm loving every morsel and molecule of this show. Oh, I'm so glad. Every single molecule. And I now I'm mm. in my back in my days of when it was first yeah. airing the original Sex in the City. I'm thinking about yeah. these characters yeah. as real people. I'm thinking about mm -hmm. them all the time in my downtime while I'm sleeping. I'm thinking about them constantly. I'm wondering why I can't achieve the kind of marital bliss and support that Charlotte, you know, and her husband have Harry, and Harry yeah. have. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm thinking about Che and how, like, I don't know which way Che is coming. I actually think Che is my less evolved self because I think mm. I've worked very hard now to be more accountable. But Che, like, I mm. don't know where Che's coming or going. Che right now is you you know, 10 years ago or whenever that, that, that testing thing happened. So oh. we might be looking at the future Che right now with the present day Jessica St. Clair. I'm just concerned with what wreckage young Che is going to leave. Young because spirit, also what I'm right? connecting with all, about Che okay, is that. All, I mean, whatever young means. Young in spirit. Yeah, but, uh, yeah young in we're spirit. We're all in exactly. our 30s. Yeah. I think we're all, yeah, the same age. But for Che, their career is everything. And so their happiness and the happiness of everyone around them is going to be dictated by this uncontrollable force of her career, of their career. And that is dangerous. 
And Lennon and I learned mm-hmm. that lesson a long time ago and had to pull ourselves out of that. And so I, it's a cautionary tale. It's actually quite uncomfortable for me to watch it. Hmm. Mm. Well, good. I would actually like to talk about your younger days. I guess this would even be before you came together, but when you were in the same stage of life as the gals in the first Sex in the hmm. City and your young singles on the town in New York, what did your dating lives look like? in terms of flings and we're gonna be so boring because literally neither one of us i mean i'm i moved to new york and immediately got involved in a very serious relationship who and the and he's my husband today and jess came to new york already with dan so with a boyfriend um, yeah watching them watching sex in the city and i remember all the girls in i worked at cnn which was i was asked to leave that organization um several several times you still blacklisted from there or yeah like you might be able to get several times now. by security i was asked to leave yeah well i did use their i got fired and then continued to go back in and use well, their fax machine and then i got so caught expensive. doing that and it was a whole thing <laughs> no i was so expensive of course not so expensive but they um i remember like the watching them because they were more like those ladies were older than us but i was like oh that's like what single Mm. life is like because i never had it in new york city Mm. and it was kind of like a fantasy when i was watching it i was living in Um, greenville mississippi doing teach for america and just dreaming of the day I i would watch that and felicity because it started this was wild okay Mm. so the very first episode of Sex in the City aired right after I graduated college. And the actor who plays the actor that goes down on her in one of the earliest uh, episodes. Okay. Yeah, I remember. He was an she actor doesn't like, at right. this thing mm-hmm. that I had done called the New Harmony Project. And he and I had struck up a, a, a like, yeah, but without, it was a all. Dalliance. It was oh. so weird. There was nothing physical about it, but but we he would like send me postcards after it was over, and we made like James Taylor mm. mixtapes, and there was like a real. He was ten years older than me, and it was like a whole thing. And then when I moved to New York after Teach for America, because we kept up a re, like a whatever, we kept up a correspondence. When I moved yeah. to New York, I was like. I'm here, I'm ready for this relationship with this guy that lives in the West Village. And he yeah. uh, he ghosted me. He ghosted me and I sat on his, this is so sad. Oh. I sat on his West Village stoop for hours waiting for him to come home because we were supposed to meet up. Oh my God. And eventually he, uh, I, I left, I went, I went back to Brooklyn. And then didn't you end up that sitting next my, to him no, at a that Chipotle by accident love. That afterwards? was my college love. They were all in New York City, like, <laughs> swirling around me. It was so weird. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 a day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, then access up to $100 a day as you work, leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I'll tell you how I'd spend the money I'd get from Earn In. 
Our little dog tugboat has had some eye issues, just had surgery, and let me tell you something, it wasn't cheap. So download Earn In today. That's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. And when you download the Earn In app, type in Just Like Matt under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. That's Just Like Matt under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small, and therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest. I know recently for me, Therapy was extremely helpful working my way through a rift I had with a friend. It was really giving uh, Carrie and Miranda in the Sex and the City movie, if you recall. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. When we keep things bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. So remember, therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest. And you can do that with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash like Matt today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash like Matt. It sure like they do. Did you ever see him again, though? I did see him. Well, he called me maybe six months later and said like, hey, what's up? And I was like, well, I'm in a, I'm in a relationship. So, yeah. Sorry, and I buddy. said something along the lines of like, I choose to remember the good times that we had. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, then, uh, and then, yeah, I saw him, I saw him like the, the year before I moved out of New York in like off of south of Union Square near where that California pizza place was that had the really good crust and um sure. he was walking with his wife or his girlfriend and i saw him and we kind of locked not locked eyes but like i looked up at him right as he was looking away from me and but i knew Ooh. he saw me and i just kind of smiled to myself and went on because what's That's supposed to happen very moment i think yeah, and he's like, God, the damn, the one yeah, that got that's away. Very, he was you so, he's he was stuck very, with that old ball very and chain. handsome. Wow, I hope he's listening. I'd love to hear his side <laughs> of the story. <laughs> Me too. Me too. No, and I think I think the other thing that I loved was like be, having the the, mm. the ladies be older than us. It was like what we could look forward to, you know, mm. about female friendship and like always having each other's backs. I thought that was really inspiring. And I'm mm. now finding it inspiring to watch them look phenomenal. And I know it's not all about our looks, but like this season specifically, mm. people oh, yeah. are like really sizzling. They're really sizzling. And I'm loving like seeing them like at the bar and getting hit on by a bunch of guys from Australia. And like, I'm thinking to myself like, well, shit, I guess it just keeps getting better and better. I, I think so. I mean, that's why I love this so much is that it's, I mean, to watch Sex and the City is to relive, you know, the past of our dear friends who are the characters on the show, but also ours. But when we're not in that stage of life anymore, 
it's there's something really thrilling seeing that actually life goes on and even mm. after you have gotten married or had children um there are more stories to tell and well and also how you, know, you how yes. your relationships change depending on what stage of life you're in because the friendship the support that you need when you're in in your 20s is very different than the support that you need with it when you're in your 30s or 40s and like friendships long-term friendships will have to endure those things you know yeah i think it's also interesting like who i now relate to because or who i really like i mean i like all of them you know miranda always you know obviously she's always getting a bad rap you know in so many different ways and I am finding her to be very self-consumed mm-hmm. and it's her time yeah, to be self-consumed. You know what I mean? But, but boy, oh boy, you know, it is the Miranda show right now for her. And I understand that, but there are other people yeah. living their lives right now. You know, when you're done with your sabbatical, you know, being with Che and everything like she's, you know, she's going to wake up and realize, Oh, life's been going on. But like Charlotte is a really interesting one for me because I used to feel like, oh, I don't have anything in common with Charlotte, but like, I'm just so love how consistent Mm, Charlotte is in her Mm -hmm. support of Carrie. And she's very cozy and comforting. And I'm finding like, that's the world I want to be in, um, in a way that I certainly didn't relate to when I was in my 20s. Charlotte is an unsung hero because, you know, it's not... It's Truly. not that sexy to be the one who just wants to find a husband and settle down and start a family. It's not, you know, it doesn't have the same like sense of adventure to it. But now that they're in this other stage of life, it's like when you lose a husband, that's who you're going to want in your corner. Is yeah. A, is yeah. A Charlotte. Yeah. I think you've got a lot of Charlotte qualities to you, Lennon. Yeah. In your I, steadfastness. Watching it and thinking like she's really, uh, I feel like I'm a combo of, Miranda and and Charlotte in the in the caretaking way and the like show up and like yes. okay we're going out today yes. or like when they were going through the storage closet you know or um like that like I'll yes. be the one to walk yes. through the darkness with you yes. no problem you know you're bringing current Charlotte energy yeah, not her, so much like, previous Charlotte energy with I think the appearance of everything being a certain way isn't like I'm enjoying her, that that part of her getting upended like you know being faced with challenges in a family that you know she didn't expect to have to face yeah. that kind of thing also the americans the reference to the americans is very on brand for me <laughs> i mean that was, was very on so brand, on brand. That's <laughs> my style of halloween costume just the absolute least effort one of the great challenges that they walked through together in the original series was Samantha's breast cancer. And we saw how powerful it was when those friends showed up for her. And this is also a nice segue to and just like that, because even though Samantha's not with us, the show's, you know, even more about how we walk through these nearly unsurvivable obstacles together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but that's obviously something that you two can speak to from experience. Yeah. You know, what was so weird was that I actually skipped the wow. Samantha episodes because they were, quote unquote, too Back dark in, for And me this is way before your own experience when, with breast cancer. Yeah. Way before. Way before. And and June and Lennon will tell you that, like, I used to be like, if it's sad, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to hear it. I don't I can't handle it. 
and now I'm like the queen of darkness. You know, I am, I, I'm like, if I, there's nothing too dark to bring to my doorstep, which is, I, I love that role. But so that was interesting to me because I didn't want something about it. I didn't want to be a part of it. And, but yet I did remember the scene of them eat, drink, eating their popsicles wow. while she was in chemo. That scene stayed in my mind, but, um, and I remember her taking her wig off, but I remember being like, oh, bummer, mm. sex in the city, not what I'm here for. And then what was even stranger is that they reference Dr. Philomena McAndrew as her Samantha's oncologist. And somebody on the writing staff or somebody must have had her as a doctor because oh, wow. she is my actual That's doctor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really wild to to know that that was happening. And then. And then I just love the fact that it was Samantha who went through it because she retained her mm. vibrant sexuality and like, and, and it be she even stepped it up a bit actually stepped it up. And it also like became so much her past that like you forgot she even had it, which to me, yeah, yeah. that is exactly what we want. Like, I'm sorry, but if you've had cancer, you know, like put it in the past. We don't need to know about it, talk about it right now. Like, let's have it be in the past. Um, so yeah, and then I and then I absolutely loved, loved, loved when Carrie needed help after the big wedding. That that scene of Samantha feeding her yogurt is a scene out of my life with Lennon. After I got my double mastectomy, I told Lennon not to. I mean, this should have been an episode of. Well, it was an episode of our own show. But I told Lennon not to come to the hospital. I did not want her there under no circumstance did I want her there because I was like, I'm going in this alone. This is another way I've, I'm completely not Che anymore. But I was like, I'm going in there alone with my husband. I do not want to see the whites of your eyes, like stay home. And that was really, <laughs> I said that to her in the basement of um, Netflix where we were forced to pitch the day before my mastectomy. One of the worst pitches oh my God. we've had in our entire life. Did lives. not go well. <laughs> it went. Oh yeah, I'm sure you were very uh, present for that. It went terribly. <laughs> but yeah, I said to her, you know, she said, "What time can I can I be there?" I said, "Never." And then she, I I knew it hurt her feelings in a way, or like to deprive Lennon of the opportunity to be in a waiting room. I mean, that's where she shines. Really that's where a southern a person <laughs> shines. Like I'll bring pastries now, and, she, and lattes for whoever needs it. You know. That's her Charlotte energy. Lennon brings a lot of bon vivant to a waiting room. I have now subsequently been in waiting rooms with Lennon, you know, for my own husband. So, and I can tell you, she's a great time. Um, but then, so they, I had the surgery. They put you in like a car and bring you to this like recovery center where most of the people there are like, getting facelifts or whatever it was just crazy but it's it, every so often there's like a breast cancer patient there so i we drive into this like uh you know the the car park and i see lennon standing there and she's like i was so happy to see her she's like you didn't think i was going to actually listen to you oh god so then she like i get what did i go to sleep for like 18 hours oh, no. i don't know i woke i woke up lennon's still there and she said, what can I, what do you want? What can I, I like, get I'm you? Not and I was like, I'm going to be at the surgery center. That's fine. But where are you landing? Right. 
afterwards and I I think I just told Junior I'm just gonna go over there I literally circled the block until I saw the car go in and then I just parked and was like oh hey what's up I'm here um and then because it was also your daughter's birthday and so Dan had to like make a birthday happen for Beebs and I was like no memory I was like yeah I was like go I'll stay here with her. And I think I'm probably the only person he would have like said that okay to. Yeah. The next day your mom arrived, but you were sleeping the whole time. So she and I got into it in the waiting room, you know, you all. And then I woke up and I was like, I'm hungry. I was like, and this is classic me. Like I'll wake up from surgery and just eat fish and chips. It's out. It's so, it's It's awful. Defining. It's a defining character. But I was like, Wow. I like woke up. I was like, Lennon, get me a quiche. She was like, that's so oh. on brand. It's so on brand. <laughs> but Lennon fed me the quiche because yeah. I couldn't pick my yeah. arms up. You know, she fed me the quiche. I ate the whole thing. And, um, she ate the you whole know, thing. Lennon, the whole, ate the whole thing, quiche. the whole thing. <laughs> I ate the whole quiche. Okay, <laughs> Lennon. And it, but like, you know, it wasn't just my husband and I battling cancer. It was the three of it us. It was uncomfortable we for were... Dan, I'm sure, mm-hmm. because I would just show up. Like, I, no, well, the it only wasn't. thing I was like, I'm going to make a binder. We're going to put all the information. I'll take all the notes. You know, I'll bring the binder. Classic Charlotte. And, you know, we put all of that into, most of it we put into the show. Um, right. But Dan, yeah, Dan was there. I was often in, in the appointments with the two of them for no reason. It was just very bizarre. But I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. So... Yeah, she's really, she is like primo care, primo. I do think I she was chose like my boobs, you a know? midwife, like in the, I did, I was like one of those medicine women or something back in the, back in Holy. another a previous Dr. Quinn. life. Dr. You know Quinn. what I mean? Just like. Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, yeah. Yes, the lamb bone broth, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like applying a poultice. Lennon yeah. doing a prayer and talking to the elders and all that. But then, you know, God, that's who you want in your corner. We've also had the like, don't you go to Paris moments, you know, with him. Like Lennon and I always reference that fight that Miranda has with um, with, with Carrie, Carrie outside the yeah. church. You know, I mean, Lennon and I have had have had to because we have gave birth to two shows together and we've had to, you know, have our our hard conversations too, and survive them, mm-hmm. you know. So it hasn't always just been like roses, you know, but I think Lennon is the friend I have that I don't ever worry that we won't be together forever. Like we are each other's soulmate, you know? So that's like when, when Charlotte says that in that scene, God, all of these scenes, it's like how much space do they occupy in in my hard drive, in my mental hard drive? Yeah. It's like, Welcome to my <laughs> life. I mean, why do you think I'm doing this podcast? Yeah. I'm so happy to exercise these demons together. <laughs> yeah, maybe we all are each other's soulmates. Like, yes, of course we are. Oh, it's so beautiful. And this, and also even when, when Big is finally going to go after her at the end of the original series, and he's like, she already has three loves of her life. Any guy is lucky to come in fourth, you know? It's, as it should be, as far as I'm concerned. As it should be. You mentioned, you know, being partners in work as well as life. And in episode five that we just saw, Carrie's Mm -hmm. love interest 
is in this kind of codependent relationship with his business partner. So I'm wondering, can you say more about how you've maintained a healthy work-life balance in your dynamic? I'll say I we uh, we've had to work at that because I'm I'm yeah, it wasn't always healthy. It wasn't always <laughs> healthy, but I mean we, we you know, our first show together. So we wrote a pilot for HBO that that was our first thing that never went anywhere but we were both on other people's uh sitcoms at the time and then when it came to do our own show we we basically didn't know how to do that and so we were we were learning on the fly how to executive produce hire write run a writer's room all of this stuff and we didn't have kids and so it was our baby it was like the most important thing in our lives and we thought this was our only chance and our only shot and and it was a real che space we were in we're operating Mm -hmm. in a real che and we didn't we both got sick we both ended up in the er at different points or the urgent care to be on episode um and we learned i think from after that experience that you have to set boundaries you have to have other things in your life children whatever it is for us it it became you know children um so that we so that this isn't everything because it's unhealthy and the relationship that we had was also everything and i think we have had to work at that as well to to have other allow other people in, make space for other relationships and our own family relationships and all that stuff. You know, um, I had to tell Jess not to text me after 10 p.m. That was was some of my best some of my best ideas would come at 4 a.m. or whatever. She just texts me. Um, Yeah, put your fucking phone on. Do not disturb. I'm still pissed about that rule. Yeah, you're not on silent. Uh, yeah, I'm CB on silent. Time, but then the thing is, whenever it comes like in, it. if it comes in at 1045, then that's the most important thing to me at that moment. And it changes mm. my whole night. You can't yeah. not look. Same thing at 4 a.m. If it comes in and I wake up and I get that text, then that's all I'm thinking about. I don't have. June won't let me. June won't let me text either. Like after a certain, they all put you know structure. Well, everyone's on. trying to manage your your outreach. Keep Che you down. Have your video games, and at three thirty a.m. and smoke your dupes. <laughs> Guys, that three way though. That was yeah. How about it? Not great for me. I. <laughs> I don't something about that was Oliver Hudson, right? Yeah. Something about that Oliver Hudson Che union mm. wasn't quite right to me. It didn't quite sit right to me. And then when he poked his little ferret head over the over Che's shoulder, the whole thing, I just I was glad when it got interrupted. Because yeah. I was too. I I, I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> And I'm all for Miranda's complete sexual liberation, but I could feel me my, finding my own limit. I was fighting right my own boundaries. Yeah. And at first, they really kept us guessing, because at first, I really thought it was, you know, Carrie and he were going to have a, a, a tossle. And that Same. was fine with me. You know, great. You know, he looked great with his shirt off. 
But like, yeah, that that was a tough no. Um, no, 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 no. But I don't know how I got on to yeah, that. that was a um, real segue. But yes, it was a segue. But we you gotta let yeah, other we've people had to in. let sometimes. You gotta let yes, you've gotta let other people in. I mean, I have I've had to work through my jealousy for sure. When someone when Lennon takes another job or is working with someone else, like I don't feel it as much anymore, but it was hard because it was always the two of us against mm -hmm. the world. And then I had to let someone else mm -hmm. in, you know, and let them have her for a while. But I know I'll always get her back. Well, it's sort of like family right. to me. It's like, yes. this is going to be the constant, you know, other relationships will come and go, take up great room, yes. be very important to us. And then, but all, like we're, we're also always kind of collecting experiences and humans that we love to bring back for whatever right. our next thing is you know and and that has also had had to change like the kind of work that we do like for instance the the tv show like that takes up all of your time like there you are giving birth to it right so that's a nine-month experience where you're not thinking about or able to do really anything else and it's it's overwhelming, especially if you have children, little children who also need you to be a parent to them. So, and also husbands and other people, relationships in your life. It's like everything basically just gets on hold and you just do your best to stay alive and keep other people alive. And afterwards you feel depleted and tired and proud, so proud of your work, but also like, I wasn't interested in doing that again right away. You know, and so yeah. that, yeah. you know, we had to kind of pivot to think, well, what is, if it's not that because we now we've done that, we know what that is like, what is it? And so we we moved into not like not seamlessly, but we moved into writing movies, which, you know, honestly, if it was just me and Jess and nobody else, it would be an amazing way to spend three to five hours or whatever, you know. Yeah, it does have to go out into the world. That's the nature of what we do. But like, yeah, that's the way we're spending our days. And I love that. Like, it's some of my yeah. favorite time is working just the two of us. So um, just finding out like what the next idea was or whatever. And so we did we wrote a film uh, that we sold. We sold it on a pitch um, to Universal. And now we wrote uh, on spec which was, we called it the Ronnie, we called it the Ronnie Trevin project <laughs> because Ronnie Trevin was a character in the finale of playing house who uh, we were referencing that dog, the bounty hunter was after. And for some reason, the name Ronnie Trevin and just the idea of dog hunting Ronnie yeah, was so funny to yeah, us. Trying to so get good. back, trying to repossess his Toyota yeah, Tercel and so or whatever. It made us laugh so hard. And, and we were like, you know what? Let's just write something that makes us laugh as hard as Ronnie Trevin, you know? And so that, that was yeah. our, our most recent thing that we spent our time on. I think, I think that like what's really special about a long friendship and also a long working relationship is you can go back to the basics. Like we really actually, after we did all this stuff for other people, we like went back and we're like, oh, we might as well be back at the UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Mm -hmm. And we might as well be 25 mm -hmm. again, because we're just gonna try this thing where we just make ourselves laugh. And that's where we have the most success, you know? 
Um, and yeah, it's wonderful to know too that you can expand your world and have your SEMAs, you know, but SEMA's yeah. never gonna be Charlotte. That's and that's right. okay, she, doesn't need, she doesn't need to be. And I love how all, it doesn't seem forced to me that SEMA and Naya and, and you know, LTW, and LTW. that they're all now friends because Lennon is friends with my friends and I'm friends with Lennon's friends and like, we all, nobody at this age is jealous anymore of yeah. each other, you know, in that way. There's not, there's, yeah. <laughs> Lennon, Lennon, it would be my moment. dream. Lennon, it would be my dream if you were jealous. I'm, I'm always going to be the jealous no. lover. I will we're always, all, I yes. think we Same, all have. I know it. I mean, it's 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 so hard to not compare yourself to other people or closeness or whatever, you know, so. I don't think there's, I think I, I think we would all be lying if we said we weren't jealous anymore at all ever, right? Of each other's friendships is what I meant. I'm jealous of everyone else's shit. I want everyone else's money <laughs> and their handbags and their shoes and their bodies. But I just. Are you jealous of attractive women that talk to Dan? Um. Well, you know, I'm married to a poet, so he doesn't ever really leave. <laughs> the house he'd have to like put on pants were you, you know? do you think would you right. be right he never puts you in that position oh yeah, yeah i would i have been jealous and i have told dan that if like he ever tried to find like left me like i would probably kill like in in um fatal attraction that diane lane no the um Don't you know where what's his face movie right now you know oh, hamster hey but um Richard Gere. Richard Gere like oh, kills yeah. that guy. Like that's I would be moved to kill. Same. I would. I would kill yeah, that person. Same. I would too. And you know what's <laughs> what's really would. beautiful is Michael sometimes pretends to be jealous because I'm so jealous all the time <laughs> that he wants it to feel reciprocal, even though it's so not. He knows that he's got me wrapped around his finger forever. I would say I would be so happy. It would be a birthday gift to me if Lennon would be like, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Feeling a lot of feelings of jealousy about your friendship with June or something like that. I'd be like, yes. You know, yes. Yeah. Or if she had to fight. Like, Big score. Yeah, it'd be great. Here's the thing, though. That's none of your business. You know what I mean? Like that, I would not ask if I were feeling jealousy about that in my mind that would be my problem no i'd want to hear about it make me feel good i'm to feel like you were like destroyed with jealousy i'm not destroyed of course i'm i mean of course i am jealous of that relationship great that feels good i'm glad we went on this podcast just to hear that I think that's why they started doing a podcast together specifically that was the mission <laughs> i believe and now it's accomplished but so. i'm also like i understand oh. what that relationship why that's important to you and i i listen to you guys and i feel like i'm understanding you on a different level if that makes sense the way june is with you mm -hmm. i'm not with you i could i mean we have a lot of similarities but i'm also not i she she shows up without any judgment and that is never gonna be me i'm literally filled <laughs> to the brim with judgment <laughs> so i listen to it and i'm like wow and also there's like a privacy thing that i'm not comfortable with that level of sharing my own self-disclosure yeah, and yeah. and so i understand how that serves you and i'm and i feel 
grateful for that. And I'm happy. And I'm so happy that you have that in your life, obviously. But to say that I'm not right. jealous at all, that would be a lie. That's good. Wow. This is, uh, it's so beautiful to witness you give Jessica this <laughs> gift in, in this moment. I appreciate feel really lucky to see this. It's really, I think, something that, of course, is not an original thought. But, you know, when my, uh, my childhood best friend died when she was 30, when we were 37. And I remember when, like, a couple months, a month later, something happened. And I was like, oh, I got to call Kelly. And I was like, wait. I can't, she's dead. And then I was like, fuck, Kelly's the only person who I would call in this exact mm -hmm. moment for this exact mm -hmm. thing. And it, and it hit me that, oh my God, all of our friends, all of our girlfriends serve this very specific purpose in our lives. They are this specific light. And, and this is depressing, but when that light goes out, that's it for that. You don't yeah, get there's no replacing it. There is no replacing it. So I do miss Samantha, you know, and I and I'm again and I know you were part of the reason she came back, Matt, and, and that's taking full <laughs> credit for it. Um, and you're, you're both welcome. Where are you emotionally about this Kim Cattrall cameo that we know is coming? Lennon, how do you feel? I I feel like they've. I feel like they've tried to give us some Kim energy and other folks, Samantha energy, right? And it's not, yeah. it's not the same. Um, I mean, if I'm separating my own need for her to return in the show and, and respecting whatever choice Kim Cattrall is making, like I have her book about how to have good sex here in my library. Um, she's oh. no longer with that man, you know, but, but there are illustrated, mm. um, descript, like there are illustrations with descriptions about different positions. <laughs> I literally have that. Wow. So like, I want her to do her, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, she always will. It seems, it seems. It seems. And th there's just no getting around that. So like what I want and need here is, yeah. is not the point. Well, that's a very Charlotte answer, I would argue. It is. Um, and I'm not. I'm pissed. Like, I want to know. Mm. I want to know what happened with them. I want to know more about it. I feel like they didn't get they don't talk about it enough or at all. And I thought it was a beautiful way that that she texted, you know, in that moment. And But I just like that's a big death in that in that family, you know. Yeah. Um, and but I guess that does happen in life. It does, you know, and I, I've got my own theories completely unfounded. I know nothing, which I'm upset by that I haven't been given <laughs> some insider knowledge. But, you know, I've got my own ideas about what the cameo is going to be, and what it's going to mean. But ultimately, it's like, I also know that that's going to be it. They're you know, there probably will be a season three. We know she's not going to be in it. It almost feels like it's almost painful knowing we're going to get this quick mm. glimpse and then she's going to be gone. Yeah. Like I seeing a ghost. I kind of like, let's not bring her back. I, I agree. I don't want to see her in the flesh. I don't mind hearing about her tangentially through a text or a call, possibly. Like I thought the way they handled it in Paris was great. I don't need to see yeah. her in the flesh. I thought that 
bringing that she insisted that Patricia Field come back and do her only her costume. You know, the whole thing has just got a lot of buzz around it. And I'd kind of rather just settle in with who we've got because who we've got is enough. Yeah, we got a real good thing going on. And to be clear, I want to see her so badly. Mm. It's just knowing that it's never going to be what we want it to be. Do we have like, do we have like research on it? Like, I'm wondering, like, she felt like the, you know, the original series was what it was. And then when when they came back, it was like going to be, I don't know, like it was almost like she had grieved the show. You know, she had grieved the loss of that character. And Mm. now here we are returning. But that was like the show existed in that time about this stage in your life. And to return to it felt maybe sad or like she was going to be vulnerable or or like then she sees the first season and she's like, well, hang on. This is a celebration. It's different, potentially. Like we're seeing these women at different stages of their lives, but it's not like disappointing or a loss like it is a new chapter in a celebratory way and they're being embraced just as they were in the previous chapter and maybe i want to be a part of that now but not fully Mm. that's a very generous interpretation (laughs) i don't think so she's made it pretty clear that hbo just was like we'll back up the truck how much do you want and she said okay Mm. in that case i will right look i'll share my prediction, if you want to hear Please, it, it's not I'd a love spoiler because this is based yeah. on nothing. So one part of it is that Stanford, Willie Garson, the actor who played Stanford, as we know, is no longer with us. Right. And that they have not really addressed that on the show, in the world of the show, he has just moved to Japan suddenly and hasn't really been dealt with. Understandably, they can't start another season with another huge death of a you know That's big right. person in Carrie's life. So it makes mm. sense. But my theory is that at the end of the season, they will feel, okay, enough time has passed. We can acknowledge this this death and maybe give him mm. a proper send-off. Mm. And we can we can say that Stanford has passed away. Mm. And Carrie is gonna be at like rock bottom, you know, oh my God, how I've lost Big, I've lost Stanford, and and I've lost Samantha, really. Mm-hmm. Like, how much more can I take? And then she's going to get a phone call. And we know that this cameo takes place in the back of a town car, and she's on the phone, and she's going to be like, hi, guess where I am? She's going to maybe That's roll the window impression. down and be in front of the brownstone. And then, and then we go, and just like that, Samantha came back. Credits, end of season, I'm standing up, I'm screaming, I'm crying, mm. I'm laughing, I'm rolling around on the floor. I mean, can you imagine? I would I would leave my body. That's, that's a wonderful scene. You're also setting us up to think in season three For she's back. that's yeah, never yeah. going to happen. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing. That's the thing. And that's just, I'm, and I guess it's like an old boyfriend that like, you know, isn't going to marry you, but you keep having sex with them. Like you're saying that. And I'm thinking maybe she'll come back for three, but here's what we need to understand. We've moved on. I'm not young Che anymore. Okay. That's right. And those, those women are moved on and built a new community. We don't need Samantha anymore. But if she comes back. No, can you imagine? Will, oh God! Yeah, oh God. I mean, when the 
I don't think there's a space for her anymore, quite frankly, guys. Oh, we'll, we'll make space. Yeah. We'll make room. Look, I, my hopes aren't up, and I don't mean to get anyone's hopes up because we know it's not happening. However, she did also previously say, I'm not going to play Samantha again. And now she is. It's only for one scene, mm. but she is. So Nothing is set another... in stone. They're not shooting season three right now. We don't know what's going to happen for season three. But I would argue that... Sometimes it's better for us not to un to open the past and for oh, us right. to move forward, you know, and isn't that what the show is about is evolving. Right. It also you know? feels like Samantha I... is a character. Like, how would she evolve? Do you know what I mean? Like, how would that character that was so progressive at the time? Uh, so like, a, like accepting of all, you know, she, there's no judgment. She's accepting of all people, however they show up, full love. Um, how would that translate to Samantha now? Like, what would she... And maybe we don't have to mm. answer that question if we're just in the back of a town car being a supportive friend, you know? We don't have to, like, fill in the blanks yeah. about it's who she is because everybody is now Samantha. It's... I agree. And also everybody's edges have softened a little in a good way. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it used to be that their, that their diner lunches would be like almost a little adversarial, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, to each other in some ways, but th they've been through so much that I feel like they've all sort of kind of warmed up a bit. And I just don't know what Samantha's energy would, her sharp suit, you know, kind of zoot suit, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. feeling. I don't know if we can handle that in this current climate. I don't, I know. don't know either, but I'd love to find out. I know you would. No. I know you would. I'm just saying that I think I've grieved it and mm. I think I've moved on and I don't know if I can open that wound again or if I can, can fall back in love again. Because I don't think I can go through the hurt again of losing her. Well, I hope that when there is a Playing House reboot in Ugh. the year 2045. That's my dream. And you two have had your famous falling out. <laughs> and where everyone's like, we, we know Jessica's not <laughs> coming back. <laughs> you know, Lennon's got several new best friends. Catherine Heigl is playing, playing Jessica. Jessica. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, great, great, great. Lennon. And then, you know... The network has backed up the money truck, and Jess is doing one cameo at the finale. Anyway, I, I hope that uh, I hope that to that be just even healing. like a truck adjacent, like that, that when it drives away and like one dollar falls away, I'm able to like catch it in my hands. You know, no, I Lennon stuck with me forever. That's yeah, I've never yeah. been more certain. Like the world is an uncertain place, but one thing that is certain is Lennon is stuck with me until we die. God bless. It's truth. <laughs> <laughs> Lennon Parham, Jessica St. Clair, thank you both so, so much for being here and for doing this and for being yet another iconic female duo for uh, us to all follow and be list. in love with. Matt, Matt, you are an iconic female duo and one in, in, the, in the body of a man. And I appreciate that. <laughs> the kindest thing anyone's ever said. And Just Like Matt is a WOW Podcast production created and hosted by me, Matt McConkie. Our executive producer is Renee Colbert. If you've got a burning question about a relationship or friendship problem, or really anything Sex in the City adjacent, just record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at andjustlikematt at gmail.com, and I'll answer your question on the show with my very fancy guests. 